Hey, everybody. Welcome to this episode of Tanae Talks. Remember, Tanae Talks and you listen. And today, I don't have any theme music, but it's okay. But I have a very special guest with me today, which is Dr. Daryl Howard. Um, he is a professor at North Lake College here in the DFW area. So, Dr. Howard, before we get into the meat of the matter. Can you tell my guests a little bit about your background? Uh, I'm born and raised uh, in Detroit, Michigan. That's where I'm from. Um, after graduating from high school, I uh, joined the United States Air Force, did that for four years before um, getting out and going to college, essentially. Uh, mm -hmm. Went to college at Moody Bible Institute in Chicago, Illinois then attended Dallas Theological Seminary here in Dallas, Texas. Um, I currently live in Cedar Hill, Texas, which is 10 minutes outside of uh, the city of Dallas. Uh, I also earned a doctorate in education from Nova Southeastern University in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. And I am currently the professor of philosophy and religion at Northlake College, which is a part of the Dallas County Community College District. Awesome. So you smart, smart. I don't know about all that. <laughs> I'm not going to say all that. <laughs> well, to my listeners, as you can see, when I have a guest on my show, they are well versed in whatever it is we're going to be talking about. And today's topic is entitled Blacks, Allies, and Protests. And I wanted to talk about this because we're in so much civil unrest right now, which I actually believe is rightfully so, because, you know, Black people have reached their uh, boiling point. And we get in different, different historical points in history, we get to this, you know, where it's like, we're tired, and we're tired of being pacified. And so I was like, wow, I was kind of feeling guilty about not being in the streets at this time. Uh, I felt some type of remorse, I guess you could say, because I felt like I wasn't doing enough. I was in a space where I didn't really want to promote my podcast or anything, because I feel like there's just other things to worry about, other things to do. So I decided to become a uh, what is it, a voter deputy registrar, because I was like, well, that's one way for me to invoke change, where I can, you know, get people registered to vote and tell them right information. I learned a lot of things about how felon, felons can actually vote as That's long true. as they're off payment and mm -hmm. as long as they don't owe any That's restitution. Correct. So just educating myself on things so that I can help us as a community. So I said, well, what can I do? How can I use my podcast as a voice? And I just wanted to be able to give listeners some historical context surrounding what's going on. Some people feel like protesting isn't right looting isn't right or they don't really understand why people are taking the actions that they're taking and a lot of it is you know they're taking cues from from history and on top of that and dr Howard will get into it i don't like the notion when people say uh don't mess with me because i am my ancestors as if <laughs> you know the ancestors wasn't knucking and bucking and ready to fight or, or lost their life or paved the way for you to even fix your mouth sure. to say some stuff like that. <laughs> so let's get into it, okay? All right. All right, so Dr. Howard, 
how did black folks get into the habit of protesting? Well, you know, the, the, what we have to understand when we're talking about protest is the meaning of the term protest. And a protest is nothing more than a statement or action expressing disapproval or an objection to something. So, you know, protest is just a normal form of life, okay? If you go to the supermarket and if you feel that the service is substandard and you say, hey, I'd like to speak to the manager, guess what? That's a form of protest, you know? Okay. So, 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 but for, but, but organized protest in the manner of, of, of how we as African-Americans know protests, you know, we can attribute that to the work of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., um, who, who after Rosa Parks refused to give up her seat on a bus, mm -hmm. uh, and by the way, she was sitting at the back of the bus, she refused to give up her seat to a white woman who could not find a seat in the white section of the bus. Uh, as a result of her refusal to give up her seat, she was arrested in Montgomery, Alabama, December 1st, 1955. As a result, uh, the civil rights movement, it started. A young Baptist minister by the name of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. organized a form of protest which resulted in the Montgomery bus boycott, uh, uh, Montgomery bus boycott, essentially. Mm -hmm. And so that's a form of protest. Now, what we need to understand about protest also is that protests can take different forms. Of course, you know, you have, uh, we prefer nonviolent protest, and that was what Dr. King advocated for. And before I continue with that thought, let me make mention also, where did Dr. King get the idea of protesting from? Well, being a Baptist minister, when we uh, read the pages of the Holy Bible of Christianity, guess what? We see protest was a normal form of Christian living yes. for both the Old Testament prophets and even those in the New Testament as well. As a matter of fact, there's a verse in uh, the Old Testament. It says that better is open protest than love kept in secret. Come on. So that's for our brothers and sisters, for example, who feel, well, uh, you know, I, I'm not going to I'm not going to say anything. I'm going to keep quiet. No, if you love me and if you're calling me your brother in Christ, okay. guess what? You need to open up your mouth on my behalf as an African-American male and you need to say something on my behalf against about this injustice that's being committed. Uh, uh, on, upon me and my people, okay? So you this is no time to sit idly by and say, well, you know, I, 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 I don't, I'm choosing not to take either side on this issue. No, you need to take a side because if you choose to remain silent according to what the, the Bible says, if you choose to remain silent in the midst of injustice, you have now become a part of the problem. Get As a matter money. of fact, you you are now a part of the injustice that is taking place. And that is, that is, not, that is not what it means to be Christian, if you will. Mm -hmm. Okay, all right. So with that being said, uh, I, I, I want us to be clear that although the, the, the practice of the protests was formally introduced by Dr. King during the civil rights movement, you know, in our modern day culture, 
the, the practice of protest actually started during biblical times. You know, uh, we have numerous instances in the Old Testament, even in the New Testament, for example, in Acts chapter 16, verses 35 through 40, mm -hmm. uh, the apostle Paul was falsely imprisoned. And as a result, he waged a protest saying, wait a minute, <laughs> you have beaten me. You have, you have falsely arrested me without a right. trial. And then you imprisoned me. He said, no, I'm pro, no, this is wrong. So we see an instant protest, both in the Old and in the New Testament as well. I, so, I feel like people feel like um, protests are uniquely and only aligned with Black folk. But when you break down this definition, the Karen's been prote always protesting. Yes. When you say, I want to go see the manager, who's always yes. trying to go see the manager? Yeah. Karen. And you know, I, I just did a show about, you know, Kieran Vershaniqua, it's all in the name, you know, because okay. he, a lot of Caucasian women feel like the name Kieran is being weaponized against them, but okay. it's not weaponized against them. Me, you know, me using the term Kieran isn't okay. holding them back from anything. Okay. It's not causing any harm to them. I got you. Know, you. So, so when we when we when we say that, but yes, in the in the in the rawest form of the definition, when you say what a protest is, it's basically stand standing up for when you are being wrong. Children do it. Yes. And they say, uh, "Layla hit me." Yes. Andrew hit me. That's They're right. protesting. Hey, They're, stop! You, you're violating me. That's right. That's right. And so when when we talk about social injustice. And we're talking about any form of social injustice. For example, you know, whether we're talking about racial discrimination, whether we're talking about human trafficking, whether we're talking about child uh, labor and child prostitution, guess what? We, uh, we should all be informed, uh, or should I say engaged in some form of protest yeah. against these various forms of social injustice. Whether we're talking about contaminated water in Flint, Michigan, or, or polluted air in South Dallas, guess what? We should be involved in protest against yes. forms of social injustice. Well said, Dr. Howard. So to follow up with that, is protesting outdated? Because I, and I had that question on here before you just gave me this raw definition, but I just, we just answered it. The answer is what? The answer is no. We have to protest. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Yeah, exactly. We have to protest. Listen, yeah, yeah. when a baby is hungry, what they do? That baby's protesting. That baby protesting. That's right. That baby, that baby needs a diaper change. That baby going to start protesting. Change my diaper. Oh, we going to have a problem up in here. <laughs> okay. And guess what that baby not saying? What? That baby not saying all babies matter. <laughs> that baby is saying me right now. And, and, and to your point on that also, what that baby is not saying Come is, on. oh, mama, daddy, I understand that you're new at this. And so <laughs> I can just wait. I'll wait for you to get your act together and wait for you to become a better parent. No, the change needs to happen now. Uh, feeding needs to happen right now. Okay. And so it's the same thing when we're talking about police brutality. Yes. What? Police brutality, I think it was Chris Rock who put it wonderfully. He said that a bad police officer is like a bad pilot. 
<laughs> a yeah. bad pilot. Well, you know, when you go to the air, airport, you know, and you get on that plane, you cannot afford to come into contact or have a bad pilot flying that plane. No, okay? it, it, no, not with the company. It's going to look like that. You may not survive to get on another flight ever again or take another flight again. What's the same thing? You know what? I believe it's, that's the same thing with bad police officers. I even believe because education is so important that the proper education of our children, of all children, but especially black children is so important. I believe that that's true also with teachers. We cannot afford to have bad teachers in the classroom because a, a child being in the presence of one bad teacher can destroy a child for the rest of their existence. Dr. Howard, I, I often say this because you know you and I work in education. I, more deaths have been committed in the classroom than on the streets. I, I, agree. When I you, agree. When you kill those children, their dreams. That's right. Their hopes. That's right. Their desires. That's right. When you, you kill them before they even have a chance to even grow. That's so when right. we're talking about abortions. Right. About yes. people that, you know, saying that they're against abortions, but, yes. you, but, you, but you are aborting missions yeah, that's right. daily. That's right. That's right. That's right. That's right. That's right. Abort aborting the purpose mm. of that individual. You know, it's one thing to say that you're pro-life, you know, while the child is in the womb. But guess what? Once that child is born, we need to make sure that we're pro-life. For the rest of their life. To the tomb. From the womb to the tomb, we need to be pro-life. And that's one of the problems, unfortunately, with many of our conservative evangelical Christian brothers and sisters mm -hmm. is that, you know, they're, they're out marching, protesting on the picket lines uh, uh, at the state, at the Supreme Court or wherever City Hall may be, yeah. advocating for pro-life, mm -hmm. okay? But yet, you know, too many of them are sitting in the comforts of their own home after we have just witnessed mm. the murder of George Floyd mm -hmm. on Memorial Day in 2020. That that just blows my mind. And let's not forget Breonna Taylor. We yeah, cannot exactly. forget Breonna Taylor. Yes, yes, yes. Breonna Taylor, Amon Aubrey. We, we have a slew of names. Yes. That we can, and you know, be pro-life for us. Yes. Because when, when you're protesting that baby in the womb, yes, you're not caring if the mother had a criminal background, That's right. right? That's right. You're not caring if she was an addict at one point. That's right. You, you don't bring up any of those things when you are voicing a concern, AKA right. protesting. That's so right. We have to do the same thing. Be proactive for everybody, from like you said, from the womb to the tomb. And yes. going back to the baby point, when you said that baby doesn't say, "Mom, Dad, I know you're new at this. You can hold off." Because yes. if you hold off, that right. baby can get rashes. That is correct. That's what we're seeing. That's correct. We're that's what we're seeing metaphorically. We're seeing a rash. Yes. It's scabbing up. It's itching, and now we want we want to get it off. Yes. Yes, so you can't you hold off. It can't be held off. That's right. If you don't feed that baby when it's hungry or at the right times, and if you don't feed that baby properly, then that baby will suffer from malnutrition. Yes. And that's what we're seeing. We're, we're yes. experiencing a cultural malnutrition also. And the reason why is because our young people, 
okay? They're, they're not, number one, being provided with the right examples and role models from those in leadership, mm-hmm. okay? Too often, because of poverty, our young people are oftentimes raising themselves yeah. because of poverty, because of substandard uh, uh, school systems, because of uh, low, uh, uh, low employment, should I say? You know, so that, that's a problem. We're seeing malnutrition in this cultural pandemic that we're in the midst of right now. We're in a medical pandemic, but we're yes, also in a cultural, in a cultural pandemic. pandemic. You, you speak so well, Dr. Howard, when we say we're experiencing basically uh, malnutrition, the result of something. That's right. Something happened and then the result of something. So that leads me to looting. Looting seems to be a response to what has been taken from Blacks for centuries, you know? Yes. That's, yes. What, that's how I view it. Yes. A big screen TV won't solve the problem, because people are saying, well, I don't know, I understand why they're going and targeting, taking a big screen TV. Right. But my note here says, but it does provide instant gratification. Yes. Well, how do we get people to see the bigger picture and get them to channel that energy towards something else? Um, you know, the, the, the word says for a lack of vision, the people perish. And so when people, once again, you know, what we were just saying, that when people like that baby, when that baby is not provided the proper nutrition, Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, when our people are not provided with the proper knowledge, the proper education, okay, it, as a result of poverty and also as a result of systemic oppression, let's do be clear about that. We're dealing with systemic oppression. Well, well, in a time of crisis, yes, people who are victimized by systemic oppression or the recipients of systemic oppression, guess what? In a time of crisis, what do they do? They, they, they lash out. Yes. It's a survival mechanism, if you would. Mm-hmm. And so, yes, for those of us who've been properly parented and raised and educated, if you would, okay, uh, yeah, we see that as being irrational and it doesn't make any sense, but for them it does provide a a degree of relief. But how can you expect someone who's been oppressed, okay, who's lived in substandard communities, crime-ridden communities, if you would, have been afflicted by drug abuse and and, and alcoholism and and, and, uh, unemployment, okay, and low, poor education in school systems, how can you expect them to behave in a rational, civilized manner? <laughs> right. Okay. In the face of racial oppression. See, yeah. what we have to understand also is that oftentimes the individuals who are looting are responding to the trauma, the emotional and psychological trauma that they have endured. And I don't know about you, but when I watched George Floyd, I'm talking about me right now, okay? And God has blessed me. You know, I came from a two-parent household in Detroit, Michigan. My daddy was a factory worker. My mama worked at home, okay? Uh, uh, God blessed me to serve in the United States military and, and all that stuff I told you at the beginning, okay? Stuff like that. <laughs> right. But nevertheless, when I, when I witnessed the death of George Floyd, you know what? I was re-traumatized. I'll I'll tell you the first time I was really traumatized by this issue, real quick, I was watching the movie uh, Fruitvale Station Station with Michael B. Jordan, and it was depicting the life of Oscar Grant. I thought that movie, it just depicted Grant wonderfully. 
you know what, just a good hearted, regular brother with with a lady and they both had a baby and he was trying to do right, you know, for his lady and his baby, you know, and lo and behold for him to watch the depiction of his murder in a film. I tell you, that was probably the only time in my life that not only did I cry, but I, I wept uncontrollably in a movie theater. I'll never forget that. And, and, and so for me, that was the first time that I was traumatized mm-hmm. by the murder of, uh, of a human being, but in this instance, by the murder of a black, of, of an African-American. Now here it is, 2020, mm-hmm. 2020, uh, it's Memorial Day weekend, that Monday, I'm watching the evening news and lo and behold, I see this uh, Minneapolis police officer with his knee on the neck mm-hmm. of a handcuffed George Floyd. And that, that, just, that, that just did it for me. See, the thing that helps me that those, many of those uh, rioters and looters do not have to, to help deal with my trauma, I'm able to go and pray. I'm able to get into the word. I'm able to talk about my trauma with someone, you know, whether it be a therapist or my brother, you know, in the Lord or whatever. Okay. So I, that's how I deal with my trauma. Okay. In healthy ways. But, you know, I know my ancestors, okay. My grandparents, my parents, guess what? They did, that's not how they dealt with trauma. Oftentimes my people turn to alcoholism. I even have family members who turned to drugs. I have other family members. They dealt with their trauma by committing crime. And then, of course, I have those family members who dealt with their psychological and emotional trauma I'm talking about that we all deal with. If you're human, you are dealing with some form of psychological and emotional trauma because of all the violence and chaos and the, the, the... the oppression that is happening in this world, okay? And I'm not just talking about racial oppression only, okay? Mm -hmm. But my point is, is that we all have different ways of addressing the trauma that we we deal with, that we uh, experience. And for those rioters and looters, okay, Mm -hmm. because they don't know of healthy uh, avenues for addressing trauma, they Mm -hmm. resort to, yes, getting that, stealing that pair of Jordans out of a uh, footlocker or uh, that big flat screen TV. I, I think it was in Minneapolis, they had uh, looted a liquor store. <laughs> and this one looter had a, a t-shirt wrapped around his head and he had two boxes in his arms, a box of a uh, Henny and a box of, I said, oh, he going to, he going to uh, relieve himself of this pain. Listen, and he, he you got to. <laughs> But when we talk about psych- psychological issues, right. the, white people have to resolve their issue of their, their, their thinking process. I once heard a quote that said, the most dangerous place for black people, especially, especially a black man, is in a white person's imagination. Mm, okay. Okay. And that I've is this. And I think that rings true because when people are doing normal things, running, jogging in their neighborhood, even the guy who the two of us at work just having a conversation. Yeah. You and me having a conversation, for example. 
Yes. You and I haven't in your imagination, you think there's a conspiracy happening. Yeah, they think there's a there imminent go. danger. There you go. So they have to deal with the psychological issue of that thought process. Right. And then, then we can be able to heal. So yes, we we have the trauma from the trauma they're inflicting on us. Right. And it's imaginative because most of the things that they're imagining, nothing has happened to them. That's correct. Nothing physically has ever taken place. That's correct. To them personally. That's correct. And when, when African American people can say, even even you and I, and higher education can say that we have experienced. We if we did the oppression bingo. Yes. We get a full sheet. Yeah. <laughs> okay. We, we'd win. <laughs> <laughs> We're gonna win oppression bingo. Right. Right. <laughs> and you know, so this imagination, so when we bring it all full circle to say, you know, the looting and the this and the this and the that is happening because our trauma is a real live live experience. Yes. Your psychological issues are imaginary. Yes. Because you can't think of the time when this violence has happened to you on a, on a large scale. Now, are there outliers? Are there people that, yes, this has happened to? Yeah. Right that hasn't happened to or where they say, well, I was robbed by a black guy or whatever. Yeah, but in, in the grand scheme of things, right? right? So as we move forward down this, you know, line of things, we talked about protesting, what that means, um, looting as a result of something. And then we talk about the psychological warfare. We need to come with solutions. And right. in those solutions, we have to have an allies right? right because it who the people that are causing this the majority we need to have allies in place to get things moving and a prime example of an ally was in kentucky where mm -hmm. white people band together and formed a a wall around their black brothers and sisters yes because they knew that the police wouldn't shoot them yes it's also systemic racism right? Oh, yeah. when, right when 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 white people know in their hearts are hearts that if i stand guard yeah. like captain america in front of these yeah. people i yeah. won't be shot down right so can you speak to that yeah I, I think we're seeing a lot of uh allies um in in, in protest right now uh, when we look at the marching that's taking place uh, throughout this nation um at least 50%, if not more, of those who are protesting through the form of marching are white people, young whites, young whites. Now, why are they so uh, actively involved in 2020? Well, because for, for some of them, many of them, you know, um, you know, when they were growing up, if not when they were born, but when they were growing up, you know, America had a black president and a black first lady, okay? <laughs> So when they look at the pictures and the images of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., you know, those are old videos. It would be like you and me looking at old pictures and films of, of Adolf Hitler or something like that, okay? So for them, the, the, the racial baggage that their parents and grandparents uh, have, you know, many of these young people do not, they don't hold on to that racial baggage. And so we see many of them out marching and protesting right now. 
those are allies, you know. I think some of the important characteristics of an ally is someone who, number one, is first willing to listen, to genuinely listen to the, to, to the, to the struggles, you know, that oppressed people are dealing with, to the issues that oppressed people are dealing with. Listen for the purpose of obtaining an, a, a legitimate understanding, okay? Yes. Listen, get an understanding, and then partner with people of color. Yes. Partner with us African-Americans to, to bring forth a solution, to bring forth uh, systemic change to the various systems that have oppressed uh, we people of color. Yes. And, and so with that being said, um, now, marching is important. I do believe that marching is an, is an important form of protest. Mm -hmm. However, after we finish marching, and I like what you were saying earlier at the beginning of the show about you said, although you may not feel comfortable on, on marching uh, or protesting, you have been active. And see, this is the second step for change. The first step of change is yes, protesting okay the marching is good but marching is not the only form of protest let's be clear or, or activism yeah exactly right well that's the uh, yeah and I, I like that as the next step and this is really what we need to be focusing on now is some form of action we now we got to take action to bring about change okay and i love what you touched on i now, my prayer is that everyone who's, who's gone on a march throughout all of the cities throughout the United States, now all of them need to go to register and vote in November. And not just in November, but even with every midterm election, all registered voters, especially those who are out marching and protesting, mm -hmm. you need to pay attention to the political climate that's occurring in our nation. Vote in November. Vote in every national, state, and local election hereafter. Do not miss right. a beat. But That's not the, only that, continue to keep the pressure. Yeah, oh, I agree. Yes. Um, and, and that pressure being, throw a fit like that toddler. Yeah. You live in a ward and you're tired of the litter. Yeah. Go to the council meeting. Yes. And throw your tantrum. Yes. Yes. Throw it back at them because they work for you. And then when we talk about like all these corporations are throwing out apologies or they're saying we, we stand with you guys, i.e., for example, Chase Bank. Well, Chase, are you going to start giving black people loans now yeah. without yeah. crazy interest rates? Yeah. Don't just say you stand with me without an actionable item. But see, and on our part. And if they're not going to do it, then throw that tantrum. I agree. And, and part of throwing that tantrum, though, see, that this is why, why watching and monitoring, that's another important action that we need to engage in. So, because see, now we're in the height of the emotionalism, if you would, okay? You know, we got, we got marchers hugging police officers. Okay, that's nice, <laughs> fine, and dandy. But at the end of the day, guess what? I, I'm now going to be watching the activity of my local police departments, okay? And yes. to your point, yes, I'm going to be attending uh, city council meetings more regularly. But guess what? As, as a result of attending and monitoring the activities of these elected officials, if I don't see positive change, guess what? I'm a registered voter. 
and I'm going to vote you out of office. Trust and believe that. See, because see, when you're when you're voting people out of office, see, now you're dealing with their economic status now. And that was the thing that Dr. King understood with that Montgomery bus boycott. The only way that we're going to get the attention of the powers that be is by dealing with that pocketbook, Those dealing pockets. with the economics. When you mess with, hey, I don't care who it is, people get funny when you mess with, their, with money. their money. That will and never change. That will never we're change. We're going to have to wrap up soon because you know we on Zoom. And okay, that's right. Okay, okay. But to end on that note is that Martin Luther King was murdered. Yes, he was. In a suit. Yes. Because he was trying to organize poor people. Correct. So we say that to say that green is the color of choice. Yes. And when you mess with that green, yes. to all the young people out there, to all those in the fight, in the str struggle, keep putting your, your, your knee on their economic neck until change happens. Yeah. So in true to Nate Talks fashion, I, I'm so sorry we didn't get to get through everything, but uh, this is your time to give your shout outs. And I thank you so much. I am humbled and honored that you were a guest on my show. Thank you. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. You know, I just want to just really encourage everybody out there, you know what I'm saying? Just, just to stay encouraged and commit to doing the right thing. And, you know, being that I am an educator, more specifically a Christian educator, I encourage everyone. It doesn't matter your age. Look, you know what, go to school, get your degrees, prepare for the career field that you were created uh, for. You know, you weren't created just to have a job. No, you were created to make a positive change and a difference in this world. And for most of us, especially as people of color, that's gonna require some education and degrees. Hey man, go ahead and do it and trust God, okay? Thank you. I appreciate you for having me. This was really fun. <laughs> I'm glad you enjoyed yourself. Um... There are so many things that I wanted to get to, but I feel like we're just going to have to do a part two. That sounds good. Let me know. Okay. All, <laughs> All right. right. Bye. Have a great day. All right.